<clears throat> There's something incredible about this um, particular sicha we're learning. If you went to a, a Jewish elementary school, right, there were some questions that um, you're allowed to ask, some questions that the teacher would get annoyed by the question. Uh, by Chaim Fishman, one of the best teachers out there, period, which I had privileged, was privileged to learn with him for, for many years. The way my grandfather set up the school somehow was that had a very fishman from like second grade to eighth grade, except maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe a, a year in the middle that you didn't. Anyway, so, um, so, uh, Ray Fishman, um, he would tell us, don't ask what if questions, you know, you could ask always ask what if questions, we could go on and on. You would let us ask, ask a couple of them, but then he would encourage you, he taught us how to think, anyways. But one of the things that you wouldn't expect, um, there's a lot of questions that aren't like you would think aren't legal to ask. They're, not, they're part of the. There's just stylistic ways the Torah speaks, and, and don't even think about it. Don't even ask about it. This Rashi, describing the meaning of the sacrifices and the various components of them and what they correspond to, uh, I, 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 I would have thought that this like off limits. Like don't, don't even try to figure out why this corresponds to that, and uh, the, the, why does the spoon. Uh, correspond to the uh, Ten Commandments specifically, and and why the animals correspond to the Jewish people. Like these aren't like legal questions, I would think. But here in this particular talk that we're learning now, the Rebbe, which is very characteristic in the Rebbe's sichas, Rebbe asks all the questions they're not allowed to ask, and Rebbe challenges, "What are we? What are we doing over here? What's going on? What's Rashi even saying?" And what we've discovered is something incredible. What we've discovered is, is that the gifts that the that the leaders of each tribe gave to the temple have significance that we can understand. We were able to wrap our minds around them and understand exactly what they were doing. What they were doing was, with their gifts, were trying to express the novelty of what was happening in the world then. They were saying to Hashem, thank you Hashem for what you have just given us. What did Hashem just give them? Hashem gave them the um, the altar, Hashem gave them the tabernacle. What is unique about the altar and the tabernacle that wasn't there before? So we learned that once the tabernacle was built and the altar was put up, it was possible to take a human, to, for a human being to take an animal, to consecrate it for the temple, and a fire from heaven to consume this animal so you could see a revelation of godliness in this world. That the physical animal that you had in your backyard, and uh, before it was, this cow was just saying moo, moo, and all of a sudden now it's, it's in heaven with the angels and doing some holy stuff. It's, 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 that's what the novelty of the temple is. So there is a way life was before there was a temple, the way life is after there's a temple. So the gifts that the leaders, the tribes gave, portrayed the, the change. It's kind of like, by the way, uh, going back to your energy by Bar Mechol it's kind of like the bracha of Eitz versus the bracha of Shehakel. You could thank Hashem when you say, when you eat anything, thank you Hashem that everything was created by His Word. But the Torah says, no, don't do that. Thank Hashem for the specific gift that you got. Show Hashem that you appreciate that gift that you got. So therefore the bracha for a fruit is different than the bracha for a chocolate bar. So thank Hashem for the specific blessing that you that you appreciated. Um... In a similar way, they brought various components to the to the temple to portray that they recognize and they appreciate what Hashem has done for them. 
How do their gifts represent that? So we said that there, th- there are various kingdoms uh, of creation. There's inanimate, vegetation, animal, and human kingdom. And the various components of their gifts represent the, the, the lower veget- and ve- and inanimate and vegetation represent the way th- things or the time period where Galenius is not revealed in the world, the time before the giving of the Torah. And the gifts of the animals, which animals you could see their life force, represent the novelty of the of the tabernacle, the novelty of the of the altar, where godliness is revealed. Just like an animal, you could see its life force. So therefore, there are the inanimate. The Rashi says the inanimate gifts and the vegetation gifts correspond to Adam, to Noah, to the seventy nations, and in general to that time period before the Torah was given. And the gifts of the animals correspond to the patriarchs, to Moses and Aaron, to our, and they represent the, the, the novelty of of the um, uh, of the tabernacle. Actually, um, the time period before uh, before the Torah was given, uh, the time of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, time of time of our patriarchs, is not the same as the novelty of the of the giving of the Torah. But we said they're included in that. Realm and included in, in, in the animal uh, kingdom because Avraham did make the first steps towards revelation of Godliness in this world through mitzvahs by having by being circumcised, and therefore his gift, therefore the gifts uh, which correspond to, um, uh, therefore the patriarchs are somewhat included in the animal side of the gifts, not the inanimate and vegetation. And here was something which I thought was incredibly fascinating yesterday, where Rebbe speaks about the spoon made of gold, which weighed uh, 10 uh, shekel, and it was full of incense. And we said that this represents how the the tablets come from the hand of God. And just like this spoon weighed uh, 10 shekel, so too the tablets contain 10 commandments. And just as the spoon was full of incense, incense is numerically equivalent the 613 commandments, so too the tablets, the Ten Commandments contain within them all commandments. Now, we were wondering, why is this part of the inanimate side of the thing, of the story of creation? This should be side of the, this should, this should be on the side of the animal, because this is about the commandments of God at Mount Sinai. And what the Rebbe says is, is that we're not talking about the mitzvahs, we're talking about the gift of God of the, of the tablets, and other t- we're talking about God's gift. Not talking about the way we receive that gift. We're talking about the way it's given, and the way it's given from heaven. It's high. It's holy. It's incredible. It's amazing. But and it's similar to mirrors the event of Sinai itself, which was amazing, and it caused a a, a change in the world that the whole world was quiet, experienced this revelation, and yet this revelation stopped. And so too the gift of God at Sinai, the gift of the Ten Commandments. It's a gift from Hashem, and it doesn't portray the unique quality post Sinai where we're able to transform the world itself. It, rather, it's considered it, it's it's on the uh, spectrum of a novelty of 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 the giving of the post Sinai experience, and therefore it's a golden spoon representing something which is more precious within the inanimate, but it's still on the side of the inanimate, not on the side of the animal, because it's about God doing something. It's not about the world itself changing. When God finished the revelation of Sinai, the mountain was no longer holy. Also, this the, the tablets 
um, represent that that revelation which starts and stops versus the tabernacle, the sacrifices are all about the change that we engender by our efforts here making Galilee's part and parcel of creation. And that's why it's considered part of the inanimate. The, the gift of the tablets is considered part of the inanimate, not on the side of the animal. Let's continue now. Um, yes. Um, the, there is, a, I think it's in chapter um, 50 of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe explains the difference between these two, there are two levels of love, one called silver, one called gold. But it depends really, really uh, what, the, um, what the context is. There, there are many, everything in, 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 in the Chassidus, One important point is that they gave their gifts um, in the beginning of Nisan. The, tab- the, the um, tabernacle was erected on the 23rd day of Adar, and the first day of Nisan is when the revelation of Hashem happened, on the eighth day since of the inauguration. So they brought their gifts every day of, of the, from the beginning of Nisan, and that's why we um, um, recite the Nasi in the beginning of Nisan. So they had already experienced this revelation. Um, besides the fact that at Mount Sinai there was... Yeah, there's Kermanus came for seven days of inauguration, but there was no revelation of Hashem until the first day of Nisan, the eighth day of Nisan's inauguration, when the revelation of Hashem uh, came down. They, that's when Nadav and Aviyah were killed. And they, their sacrifices were from the first day of Nisan. Yehuda brought also 
on the same day that, that the fire came down. Um, l- let's go to Ois uh, Tess. According to what we said till here, the Torah itself, the Torah by itself, the Torah as it is from the hand of God, is not considered part of the animal kingdom. Right? We said it's coming from the hand of Hashem, yet it's still not the, it's still the animal kingdom. The animal kingdom represents where there's a revelation of Hashem that is associated with our activity, that we do. We transform something physical, make it holy. Now we can understand Rashi's explanation of uh, the three kinds of animals. Elim, Atudim, Kvasim. B'zesh Rashi, Mazesh, Gimel, Minim, Heim, Connected, Terevim, Ksuvim. When Rashi says that these three kinds of animals correspond to the Torah, prophets, and writings, he's not coming to say that there's a second allusion to these three things, so that there are now six things alluded to by these, um, by these animals. Because we said before, the Torah is not part of the animal kingdom. So why does Rashi say that Elam Atudim Kavasim correspond to the Torah, the prophets and the writings? That's something that God gives. That's not something that represents the novelty of Sinai. So why does Rashi say that those three animals correspond to Torah and Vim Ksuvim? Ella, Gimel Minim Yehudim. These three species represent the Jewish people. As Rashi says earlier, but when does the when do the Jewish people have this connection to the animal kingdom when they are united with the three parts of the Torah? So you only really have three things. You don't have six things. There are the Jewish people who are engaged, invested, and interested in learning the Torah and one with Torah. When a Jew learns the Torah, when the, when, when the three kinds of Jews are learning the three parts of Torah, so then you have, then that's represented by the animal kingdom. That, that, there, there's a revelation of, of godliness there. That's the, but the Torah on its own does represent the revelation of Hashem in this world through its accomplishment of the Mishkan. And neither does the Jew really, because only the Jew learning Torah and observing the Torah and becoming one with Torah has a revelation. This is a continuation to Rashi's explanation of the Shlomim offering. Rashi says they brought two bull for a Shlomim, then that, those two bull correspond to Moshe and Arin. Why do they correspond to Moshe and Arin? Why is a Shlomim offering specific to Moshe and Aaron, because what is the root of the word Shalomim? What's a carbon Shalomim about? A carbon Shalomim is about making peace. Moshe and Aaron caused there to be peace between the Jewish people and God. How do Moshe and Aaron cause there to be peace? What does peace really mean? Peace doesn't mean that, that, that you're in your place and I'm in my place. Peace means that there's a connection between me and you. So Moshe and Aaron, by Sinai, caused there to be peace between God and the Jewish people cause it to be a oneness between God and the Jewish people. 
So now, the three kinds of animals, which were also Korbanah Shlomim, they all were also sacrifices of Shlomim, they also are about when, how a Jew could cause himself to become at peace with, which means to become one with Hashem. When the Koyin leaving Israel are unite with the Torah, they become at peace. They become one with Hashem. So, does the animal represent the Torah? No. Does the animal represent the Jewish people? Not really, unless the Jew and the Torah become one. Then the Jew, that, then that, then the sacrifices are a good representation as being part of the animal kingdom, which we say animal represents life force. Then they do represent the Jewish people. When the Jew is studying Torah, when the Jew is one with Torah, then there is a, a then there the bond between the Jew and Hashem is revealed. Because remember, we're not talking about an intrinsic bond. We're talking about a bond which is manifest, represented by the life force of the animals. So, when do the animals represent the Jewish people? When they are one with the Torah of Yimkusim. The Fizim Uvan we're now up to Ayes Yud on page ninety eight. Rashi continues, and he says that there were actually five of each of these particular kind of animals, five rams, five sheep. Why were there three groups of uh, five? Rashi says that three groups of five correspond to the five chumashim. What's, what's happening now? What's the idea of the three uh, groups of five representing the five chumashim? It seems like Rashi is saying that there are now three new things we haven't learned about before. No, Rashi is not saying there are three new things. Rather, Rashi is explaining the representation of Torah. Next column. In order to emphasize, we're not talking about God giving us the Torah. We're talking about the way we receive the Torah, the way the Torah becomes one with us. Unlike the spoon, which represents the gift of God, but here we're talking about the Jewish people becoming one with the Torah, the way they're receiving the Torah. They brought five of three species of animals, which which represents the distinction that exists in Terimitzis. Let's see. The Torah, as it is given from God's hand, is one whole Torah. And the Ten Commandments were said by God in one expression. The Ten Commandments were said with Diburachot. And that's why Rashi, in his Dibur Hamaschel, in his um, the words that he uses for the heading of the Rashi. Rashi also includes the words achas, because the word that means one. If Rashi is only explaining the spoon, why does Rashi also use the word achas? And that is because Rashi wants to emphasize the word that, that the Torah is the Torah here is telling us that the Ten Commandments 
what's their what's unique about them? What's unique about them is that they are part of the singular reality of Hashem. They're part of the achas. Although they contain ten commandments, although they contain six hundred thirty mitzvahs, but the luches, the tablets, are inyan echad. It is one singular thing. It's about the oneness of Hashem. That's what the gift of Hashem is about. It's about the oneness of Hashem. So the gift of Hashem, the theme of that gift is the oneness of Hashem. And therefore, though there's 613 mitzvahs, but it's all about the oneness of Hashem. And therefore, Rashi says, it's, the, it's called kafachas, it's called one spoon. Despite the fact that there's 10, despite the fact that there's 613, it's all oneness. Where is there a, where, where does the division begin? The division in Torah begins when we receive the Torah. We, our acceptance of the Torah is what causes there to be a classification of five chumashim. Each chumash has a different theme and different concepts in the chumash. And the mitzvahs also, there are different kinds of mitzvahs. In the way we receive the Ten Commandments, we don't look at them as all the same. We have five in the first category on the right side of the, of the tablets. And there, are, and there are five other ones written on the, uh, uh, five positive ones and five negative ones. The Ten Commandments, as they are given by God, are represented by the one spoon, which weighs ten, which has the weight of ten golden coins. But the, the way that we receive the Torah, there's an emphasis on there being a division, that there's five of this sort, there's five of that sort, because our internalization of Torah means that we discern what each mitzvah contributes to us. And that's the reason, let's look at note 35, the spoon represents the Ten Commandments as the Ten Commandments are in the tablets, and the five, the three groups of five that the um, of, of sacrifices represent the way the Ten Commandments are in the written Torah. There is a way the Torah is represented by the tablets. That's the way the Torah is given as a gift from Hashem. And then there is a way the Torah is represented by the written Torah. And the written Torah is the way that we study the Torah, the way we receive the Torah. As the author makes a distinction between the written Torah and the engraved Torah, that the written Torah uh, is considered a lower, a lower level than the tablets of given at Har Sinai. The tablets at Har Sinai represent the oneness of Hashem, the way, the way all of Torah is part of Hashem's oneness, versus the um, the way that we receive the Torah, there is a discernment and there is a a classification of how we apply it and we and how we appreciate it. Um, 
here, here's what I'm, what I'm hearing. Tell me, tell me if this makes sense. What I'm hearing is, there is, there's an underlying theme in Torah. It's all the will of Hashem. It's all the, the wisdom of Hashem. And Hashem wants us to have this Anila Doidi perspective that we're not interested in just doing what Hashem, um, not, not, not thinking that there, Hashem wants us to have this wholesomeness. And that's why the Torah was given on Shabbos because Shabbos is about a day where you realize that there isn't many things in the world. There aren't many different times in the world. There's only one God that created all of time and space. Torah is about Shabbos. Torah is about the oneness of Hashem and realizing that Hashem has one desire for us. He gave us this one Torah and we're about bringing God's oneness in the world. So there is an Nila Doidi perspective. There is this, this perspective that we're here to do the will of Hashem and there aren't 613 mitzvahs, it's just the will of Hashem. As in, in Kirkyabas, it says, be bold like a leopard, run like a deer to do the will of God. Don't look at the different kinds of mitzvahs. Just think about the one will of Hashem. That's one perspective. Zev is about to run, jump on me as soon as I finish talking and say, I don't get what you're talking about. Okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I, I recognize that, Zev. Um, just, you could, you, even if you didn't hear anything tonight, you could hear the following. This will make sense to you, I think. There is the, the teaching of be bold like a leopard to do the will of Hashem. You're not looking at different kinds of mitzvahs, you're just wonder the will of Hashem. doesn't matter if Hashem is telling you to fill up your gas, Hashem is telling you to give tzedakah, Hashem is telling you to drive your car to uh, buy flowers for Shabbos. doesn't matter what Hashem is asking you to do, you're trying to do the will of Hashem. That's one perspective. Then the Rambam says that each mitzvah has to give you something different. There's a mitzvah of honoring your parents, because Hashem wants to cultivate in you, and change in you, and give to you a feeling of, of appreciation and gratitude. Therefore, Hashem gives us a mitzvah of honoring our parents. There is what each mitzvah gives you. So Hashem wants us to have both perspectives. Hashem wants us to have this tranquility and wholesomeness of just we're always supposed to focus on what Hashem wants from us. At the same time, Hashem also wants, to, uh, also wants us to get the unique, to unpack each mitzvah. So the underlying nasev and nishma acceptance of Torah means nasa, we will do it. Just Hashem said to do it. And nishma means I'll... The Friedrich Rebbe said these words. He said, by Ma'an Torah, there were two kinds of people. There were regular Jews, there were Hasidim. He said, regular Jews, we will do it and we'll understand it. The Hasidim said, we will do it and we will feel it. We'll have a derher in it. Having a derher in something means that you you get the details of what that thing is and you feel what that thing is. You feel you feel it. You're not, not just you obey it. So there is the Naseh part of it and there's the Nishma part of it. There's a way, our, our general acceptance of Torah, Hashem gives us something and then there's a way that we internalize it. So, so too, in the gift of the leaders of the tribes, they're represented by their different gifts. We have the, the Torah as it is from the gift of Hashem. Hashem gives it to us. Hashem has a will for us. Hashem expresses His will. And there's a way we internalize it. And the way we internalize it, there the Torah describes there being five, not one. Because that's the way we assimilate and we internalize the oneness of Torah. Well, it becomes part of who we are. Okay, ready, ready to get attacked now. Go ahead. No guns. White flags. All right. That's true. I vote for that 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 uh, concept. That's definitely true. Great to Michal Mordechai. Great to Yonatan. Great to Dr. Resman. Great to Rebel. Great to Yenison. Great to Zev. Good to see your face for a second, Michal Mordechai. Uh, good to Yenison. <laughs> 